What's up, everybody? Hope you guys are doing well. Welcome back to another Church Online. Guess what? We only have three more weeks of Church Online like this, and then we're going to be able to come back together for church outside Easter Sunday. So looking forward to that. Uh, hey, if you're not able to come back in person, we'll still be showing it online for you, uh, but we want to make sure that uh, you know that you can come back. You're certainly welcome beginning April 4th, Church Outside in the parking lot. Hey, a couple of things I want to point you to this morning. First of all, if you have kids, 
River Kids has put together some amazing content for the kids so that they can continue to learn and grow in their faith. So grab the link that we're dropping in the chat now and you can go and uh, kids, you can jump on that. Go to the YouTube channel and we've got all kinds of great stuff for them to, to just grow in their faith. We love you kiddos. We miss you. and can't wait to see you in person. And then the second thing is we just want to ask all of you, if you would, at some point before you sign off at the end of this gathering, would you take some time with that connection card? That card lets us know, one, that you're here, two, it lets us know how we can pray for you, and then it also just gives you uh, an opportunity to communicate some things to us, how you might want to plug into the life of the church uh, in this season. So uh, take some time with that. Take some time with the chat, and we will be right back in just a moment.
Hi everyone. Last year, the pastors and myself, we get together to plan out the new sermon series that we are going to call Bringers. Bringers is a series that will examine what happens after Jesus has impacted the life of someone and that someone goes back home or wherever and brings the person that is closest to him or her. But once the pandemic hit, we could no longer do it, so we put it aside and we, we grouped and focused on some other Salmon series. But now is the time that you will get to hear what God was sharing in our hearts when we put the Salmon series together. We believe that his timing is perfect and that he will do everything perfectly in his time. So I want to take this opportunity to pray over the series. You know, if you will just join me in a simple prayer. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this time. We thank you because the time has come for, for us to hear like what you are staring in our hearts. I thank you, God, because I know this will be explosive. I know that the lives of many will be blessed, will be touched. And God, as you touch our life, we pray, O oh God, that the same effect that the award had in the lives of many who came in contact with you, it will have in our lives, that we will go out, bring those who are closer to us, so that they will come and see your mighty works, and they will ultimately be serving you. We give you praise, we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again and welcome to Charles River Church Online. My name is Kevin, uh, one of the pastors here and just really glad uh, and excited, honestly. Uh, I, I feel like I've been ministered to in preparing for this sermon this morning. But before we do anything, uh, let's pause and, and pray and give this to the Lord. Father in heaven, you are life and hope and peace, and you're always good. And so, Lord, the, the one thing that I ask is that by the end of this, that we love Jesus a little bit more, see him as a little bit more worthy, and are willing to obey him a little bit quicker. We, we entrust it to you. Amen. So one of the, the joys of my life right now is that I get to watch my youngest fall in love with some people that have been a really important part of my life for almost a quarter century, for more than two decades. And their names are Woody and Buzz and Mr. Potato Head, and Mrs. Potato Head, and Rex, and Slinky, and the rest of the Toy Story gang. Uh, there's just something about that movie. When it first came out, it was one of the only VHSs that my family owned, and so we watched it a lot. And I love it. It's just such a great movie. And then Toy Story 2 introduces Jessie, and we got the figurines. We got Woody, and Buzz, and Jessie, and, and now that's all she wants to do is play with them. And then Toy Story 3 came along, and I can't even talk about that movie without crying. And then somehow Toy Story 4, uh, I still don't want to talk about it, but it was really, really great. Uh, but I'm not ready to discuss it just yet. But I love Toy Story. And now I get to watch 
my youngest fall in love with those characters that have been an oddly important part of my life for 25 years. And I get to watch her, I don't watch the movies anymore, I watch her watch the movies, just like I did with my other two kids. I watch them watch the movies and I experience it through them. I get to, to watch somebody that I love fall in love with some more people that I love and I understand that they're CGI and they're not real people, but I get to watch her fall in love with them. But that's part of who we are as humans. That's part of who we are as people. We're designed to share our affections, the things that, that cause our affections to get stirred up. We're designed to share those with other people. Like, and, and you know this, we do it intrinsically. We don't have to be taught. Like you take a bite of that, that food and it's like, oh my gosh, you gotta, have a, you gotta taste this. It's unbelievable. And somehow in sharing that, by giving it away a little bit, you would think that like that's gonna diminish because like that's mine and it's so good, I want more of it, but like actually giving it away somehow increases our enjoyment of it. It's kind of the fulfillment by enjoying it with another, it increases our love for it by, by sharing it with somebody that we love. And we've had a year where uh, we have, a lot of people haven't been able to share a whole heck of a lot with, with anybody. And so I do believe that as of right now, we are hungrier than ever to share affections with one another, to share things that we love with one another. And I think that we are more ready than ever to receive, like, what is causing you so much hope? I need to know. And so, like, I think that we're well positioned for this series that we are, uh, that we are introducing this morning that we're calling Bringers, just a short sermon series three weeks leading up to Easter that we're calling Bringers. And we're going to look at a few people in Scripture who brought people to meet Jesus. And one thing that all these people have in common is that they're not the hero of the story. They've met the hero of the story, and they bring other people to meet him as well. They're just willing to talk about him. And so this morning, we're going to kick it off with uh, a look at the Apostle Philip. So you can open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. We're going to look at starting in verse 43. But as you read through the Gospels, if you read through the Gospels through the lens of bringers, they're everywhere everywhere. People are constantly bringing people to meet Jesus. So just before the section with Philip in it, you have Andrew who just met Jesus, who's, who's like, I got to go tell my brother Simon. And so he brings his brother Simon to meet Jesus, and Jesus renames him Peter. And Peter goes on to be one of the leaders in the early church, along with his brother Andrew. And right after this section, you have Mary. They're at a wedding. Jesus' own mother is like, brings a bunch of guys to Jesus. They're, Jesus, they're out of wine. And she's like, mother, it's not even my time. Like, what are you doing? And she's just like, do, do what he tells you to do. And so she brings, she knows there's a problem that Jesus can solve, and, and she brings people to him, and he solves it. And then a little bit later in the book of John, you have the Samaritan woman uh, who brought her whole village to meet Jesus. And then later you have Andrew, who there, there are 5,000 people that need food, and he brings this little boy with a snack, and G he's like, I don't know, Jesus, you, can you do something with this? And Jesus is like, of course I can do something with that. Even at the end of the book, even Judas gets in on the action. He brings a whole army to meet Jesus. And it's a different kind of bringing, but the, the one thing that I'm going to miss about preaching to a camera is that I can't hear you groan. Right now, I, I feel safer making that kind of a joke to a camera than I do to in person. Uh, so we're going to look at Philip this morning. John 1, 43. You can read along with me. 
says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So as, as John is inspired to write this story, he quickly moves past Philip. It's like, Jesus just said, follow me. So clearly there was something about Jesus that drew Philip to him because he's so excited. He's like, I, we don't know exactly what was going on inside of Philip, but it's like something happened. And he's like, I can't even believe it. I got to go tell Nathaniel. And so he runs off and he, he tells Nathaniel, I, I met the Messiah, like he's here. He's here, like the one that... Moses talked about the one that the prophets like Jesus of Nazareth and then there's Nathaniel and he's like Jesus of Nazareth he's, he does not match Philip's excitement level it doesn't seem Jesus of, of Nazareth can anything good come out of Nazareth it's like he's met with this skepticism he's not like Philip is like guess what come on like we found him and, and he's like I don't think so like Nazareth Phil uh, read your Bible the Messiah comes from Bethlehem not, not rinky-dink Nazareth. Nazareth isn't even mentioned in the Old Testament. Like, come on, Phil. Like, Jesus, the son of Joseph, a carpenter? Uh, the Messiah is a king. The Messiah is a warrior. He's a carpenter? I don't know who you met, man, but, like, <laughs> you've got to take a breath. Take a step back. Don't be, don't be ridiculous. And that's, that's where I've, in the past, struggled is when I, when I introduce people to Jesus or, or try to introduce people to Jesus and they push back on it, I forget that the story's not about me. And I want to show them why I'm not an idiot for believing this. So I'm like, oh, really, Nate? Well, he was actually born in Bethlehem and Herod actually tried to have him killed. But no, Philip doesn't do that. Philip probably doesn't even know that at this point. He just knows that he met Jesus, doesn't have all his answers. But he's like, you got to meet this guy. So Philip doesn't, doesn't answer all of his questions. He just... Well, well, we'll continue reading. 146. Nathaniel came, uh, said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Simple, simple words. I, you guys remember the show Reading Rainbow. One of the most brilliant and genius things that LeVar Burton did is that every single show he would say, Don't have to take my word for it but you don't have to take my word for it. Like, don't believe me. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm not going to try and prove anything to you. I don't have to. Just come and see. See for yourself. I'm not going to force anything on you. But just come and see. And that works. Nathaniel comes. So we keep reading in, in 147. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him. So Jesus sees Nathaniel now coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit, I love this. This is one of my favorite things that Jesus says because it reveals like this, this humanity that makes me want to be closer to Jesus. He feels like just a guy, like he is divine, but this reveals something about his, his humanity and his divinity that I really love because he's kind of making a friendly dig at Nathaniel. He's kind of drawing Nathaniel out. He's like, oh, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And what, he's, what else he's doing is he's kind of making a wordplay. He's kind of dropping a pun, uh, because if, what you, if you remember, who, who is Israel? Israel was Jacob, the deceiver, 
back in the Old Testament. And so here's Jesus going, oh, here's a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He's like, he's kind of making a pun. And he's, this is not something that you do when you first meet somebody. He's coming on kind of strong, uh, but he knows what Nathaniel needs. And so Nathaniel's curious. And we'll keep reading in 148. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus knows exactly what Nathanael needs in order to step over that ledge into faith. He knows exactly what Nathanael needs in order to step over that ledge into faith. I've heard a lot of testimonies over the years, and they're all unique, and they're all beautiful, but they're, like, some of them are just, like, very strange, and, and strange in an odd way, like, I heard this one guy one time saying, like, I was just in this church service, somebody had invited me, and I was just sitting there, and it was, like, towards the end, and I had my eyes closed, I was just, like, asking, like, I, I don't know, I just had this feeling, like, God was calling me to him, and then, but I was, like, super hesitant, but then I noticed, and I looked up, and there was a bird in the rafters, and I just knew, I was like, I didn't say this. I was like, that's wonderful. But like, I was like, a bird in the rafters did it for you? Like, that's what you needed to, to take that step into faith? Like, praise God. That's, that's awesome. Uh, that, that convinced you. Okay. But Jesus knows each individual's need. He knows Nathaniel's need. He knows your need. He knows your family's need. He knows your need. That thing that will give them permission to believe in him. And ultimately, he has the power to change your heart in the first place. But we'll continue reading in 150. So Nathaniel has taken that step. You are the Son of God. uh, Chapter 1, verse 50. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So now that Nathaniel has taken that step into faith, Jesus is now offering him assurance and affirmation. Like, you're not crazy, Nathaniel. You are right. I am. I am. And, and guess what? You don't know the half of it. You don't know the half of it. You're going to see, like, I'm the place where heaven and earth meet. You don't get it yet. That one that Daniel saw in his night visions, that one in Daniel chapter 7 that he prophesied, that, that one like a son of man who comes up, up to the ancient of days in Daniel 7. I'll, I'll read it. Daniel 7, 14. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus looks at Nathaniel and goes, yeah, <laughs> that's me. I'm that one. That's me. You don't know the half of it. Let's go. And skeptic Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew in, in some of the other gospel accounts, Bar meaning son of, so uh, just an, another name for the same guy, Bartholomew, um, in other accounts. He meets Jesus because of Philip's invitation. The power of come and see. The power of an invitation. And praise God for that. So, here's what we want you to do. Invite all of your friends to church and they'll all become Christians and then we can just celebrate and be happy. I wish it worked that way. And you guys know that it's, it, it's not that simple. It doesn't, it doesn't always go that way. Nathaniel could have very easily rejected Philip's invitation. And, and by the end of Jesus' ministry, he's alone on a cross. 
There are plenty of people who rejected the offer. There are plenty of people today who still reject the offer. For about, about 10 years of my life, I worked as a maintenance guy. And I worked on this crew with like a small, really tight-knit crew of maintenance guys. And you, you know, you work shoulder to shoulder with guys day in and day out. You kind of become a family. You learn each other's quirks. And so there was Ricky, who was this like heavy metal loving, dirt bike riding, video game playing dude who, who I was in my early 20s at the time. And I remember when he turned 40, I, I, I was working with him. And I said, Ricky, you're a funny kind of 40. And as I approach 40, I'm like, maybe he was just 40. And I didn't know what 40 was. Uh, but then there's, there was Greg. Um, Greg, this classic rock, like trivia, uh, just knows everything about sports and classic rock and Seinfeld. And there's Greg and then Bobby. Bobby was this like salty old guy from Southie who, who has that street smarts that only comes from living a really tough life. He told me a story one time about how he almost got killed by Whitey Bulger in a bar, and I believe him. Uh, and then there was Brian. Brian came on the crew, and he loved 90s R&B and golf. And, and also, um, he, he told me that he had bowled seven 300 games, perfect games. And I was like, no way. And then he showed me the rings. So I was totally Nathaniel skeptic. He showed me his rings, that, and then he took me bowling, and I was like, oh no, this dude's legit. And then there was Matt, who was like oddly brilliant and kind of dark, but like really somebody that was, I don't know, there was just a charisma about him, and Paul, who loved heavy metal and stand-up comedy and Taco Bell and, and, and was one of the most loyal men I've ever, I've ever known. And I'm not sure what they would say about me, uh, but I, I think, I, I really think that one of the things that they would say is that guy, he's like a Jesus guy. And I think they would say that in like a winsome way. I, I hope so anyway, uh, because they would come to me uh, for counsel. And you know, they, were, they were like brothers to me. They, they would come to me for counsel. So I think that I showed the love of Jesus, at least imperfectly enough, that they, they knew that I was somebody who loved them and that they, they could trust. I wasn't shy about the fact that I was a Christian, um, but I can remember one time, uh, I'm having a conversation with one of the guys who's going through some stuff, and he said, man, I just need your advice, but without saying God or Jesus or the Bible, can you give me some advice? And I was like, I'll answer that question. Um, can you just catch this hammer without using your hands? Can you just catch this hammer for me? Like, no, I can't give you advice without using the worldview that I come from. Like, I'm not gonna just lay down my Christianity in order to talk to you and help you. I will help you in however I can. Like, I'll give you wise and sage advice, I mean, as much as I can, uh, but I'm not gonna do it from, I'm not gonna lay down my worldview to do that. And he got it, he understood, and so he continued on. And, and he's talking, and, and, he's, and I, getting towards the end of the conversation, he was like, man, I just need a reset. Like I, I just wish I had, I wish I could just start over. Like I just wish I could have a clean slate. And I was like, man, that's perfect. That's exactly what Jesus offers. A clean slate. All of your sins forgiven. All of those stuff. And, and he was telling me, like, I screwed up so many times this and this and this. And I'm like, you can have those things forgiven. You can be reconciled to your Father in heaven through Jesus. And I took him to John chapter 3, and I explained to him how Nicodemus, and I, you know, and like as we're talking, I can see the tears in his eyes. I'm like, come on, what do you say? Like, why don't you come to church? And with tears in his eyes, just like, I'm good. I watched him reject Jesus with tears in his eyes. And I remember feeling like I had failed him, like feeling really downcast, like I had screwed that one up. Like I dropped the ball. 
And like I'd heard these stories about people who, who would like, I just prayed for my neighbors. And after three months of praying for my neighbors by name, they came over and they were like, tell me about Jesus. And then we started a home Bible study and it grew into a church. And like, I, praise God, I genuinely celebrate that. I hope that God does that more. But it's just not been my story. Praise God. So I'll get kind of that, that like, why not me? Why, why, I pray for my neighbors, I pray for people all the time. Why, why don't I see that? What am I doing wrong? But I also know that I, I'll talk to a, another friend of mine, and the more I talk about the gospel and the good news that it, it, salvation is by grace through faith, like, he's, his eyes are getting wide, and it's like, he's so hungry for it, and the, by the end of the conversation, he's trusted in Jesus, and then I get to see him and his wife baptized and get plugged into a great church. Like, I've seen that, too. What's the difference? I think I probably handled the other one that, that the guy rejected. I, I think I probably handled that one better. What's, what's the difference? I, I don't think I did anything differently. I invited them both to meet Jesus. I invited them both to church. I invited them to meet Jesus. I, I realized I can't save anybody, and neither can you. It's not the right string of words that you can say to somebody to make them believe. It's the work of God. But you get the, the privilege of inviting them into that. You can't save anybody. Jesus can. He does, and he has every single day for 2,000 years, and he's going to continue to do it. You are not responsible for how anybody responds to Jesus. You cannot control people, and you shouldn't have to, and you shouldn't want to. You don't have to control people. You can control yourself. You can control whether or not you make the invitation. That's your metric. Your win is the invitation. If you, if you see your win as getting somebody to cross that line into faith, that's unattainable for you because you have no control over that. But if your win, if the metric that you look at is the invitation, man, we can chalk up some big wins here. We can get some big wins here. It's the fact that you invited somebody. That's your win. Let Jesus deal with the rest. He's powerful enough to do it. He's the one who changes hearts. He's the one who changes desires. In hockey, there's a, there's a metric uh, stat called uh, shots on goal, or shots on net. And, uh, and, and that's, that, it's used more to measure the defense because the less shots on net there are, then the better the defense is doing, preventing them from getting the shots off anyway. Uh, and, and I think that if we were to measure our shots on net percentage uh, versus, like, versus our, our actual goal percentage. I think we'd have more goals because the more shots on net you take, the more goals you end up scoring. I think the enemy is playing great defense right now because I think he's convinced us that we need to wait for the perfect shot and he just loves when we wait around for the perfect shot. Just make the invite, be winsome, share God's love and invite people. And Wayne Gretzky, you know, the greatest hockey player of all time, the great one. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You're not responsible for whether or not the puck goes in the net. You're only responsible for taking the shot. So I wonder right now, like, how are you feeling? Some of you might be like, oh, yeah, I can do that. But I wonder if, if a lot of you are thinking, like, kind of hesitant. I'm not used to taking the shot. I like to pass it off and let somebody else take the shot. Kind of reluctant, a little bit nervous. Like, be honest with yourself. Guys, we get to invite people into the greatest story 
ever. A true story. We get to invite people into knowing Jesus, the most intriguing and wonderful person who ever lived, the God-man, God himself, to have the, be reconciled to God, to have all of their sins forgiven, and to walk with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit every day. His sheep hear his voice, and if you are willing, they get to hear his voice coming out of your mouth. Jesus changes people. Philip didn't change Nathaniel. Philip invited Nathaniel. Jesus changed Nathaniel. Philip just got to play along and, and watch along as Nathaniel fell in love with Jesus. There's something about him that's different. There's something about him. He doesn't, like, when you meet him, you leave changed, one way or the other. Like, the, the, woman, the, the, the Canaanite woman that Jesus uh, says has greater faith than anyone in Israel, changed. The blind man at, at uh, Beth, Bethsaida, changed. From Nicodemus to Zacchaeus, to, to the woman at the well, to the sick man at the Bethesda pool, from the thief who was crucified next to him, to the Roman centurion at the foot of his cross, people are changed when they come in contact with him. And all he's asking us to do is invite. Invite. You don't save anybody, but Jesus does. And you can invite them. You can point them to him. People from different races, people from different backgrounds, people from different neighborhoods, people from different socioeconomic statuses. Jesus knows how to interrupt, interact with each one of them. Nathaniel needed a pun, apparently. He knows what your friend needs. He knows what your family needs. Can you entrust them to him? Pray, entrust them to him, and invite. Make the invite, and know that that's your win. Because we have nothing to be ashamed of. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Jesus is the most intriguing, the most wonderful person who's ever lived. He's the, the peak of humanity. Like, he is the most, people, but I think that he has been more misunderstood and maligned than, than maybe anybody else. And so we have the opportunity to point people, like cut through the weeds and point people to the true, the true Jesus, the one who is and, and was and, and always will be. It, it's, it's the most beautiful story that's ever been told, which is why we keep telling it over and over and over in our films and in our, like, we, we keep telling it from, from, from Anna sacrificing herself for her sister Elsa and then resurrecting back to life to Aslan sacrificing himself for Edmund and then resurrecting back to life from Neo in the Matrix to Obi-Wan Kenobi to the Iron Giant to Baymax to Iron Man to, fit, to Eugene Fitzherbert sacrificing himself for Rapunzel and then resurrecting back to life. This is the story that has been interwoven into our souls. It's why those movies sell billions because people love that story because it's the story that God has written into us. And we get to point them to the true one, the story that all of those stories actually point to, Jesus, who died on the cross for us, for his enemies, in order to forgive us and set us free. And it's our job to fall in love with him again and again and again and again and again and again. Like, I'll go years without watching Toy Story, but then when I watch it with my, I'm like, I love this movie. I love this story. So before you invite anybody, this week I'm not going to ask you to invite anybody, 
before you invite anybody, I just want you to, to fall in love with Jesus again. Fall in love with Jesus again. Whatever it takes. Like, what is that thing that's, that's holding you back? Whatever it takes. Whatever you have to lay down. Whatever you have to pick up. Fall in love with Jesus again. And then you'll be ready and eager and excited to invite others. So that's my prayer for you this week. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, you are glorious. <laughs> God, you are wonderful. You, you, you saved somebody like me who, who wanted nothing to do with you. And, and so, God, I know that you can do it for anybody. And I pray simply this, God, that you would stir up our hearts as Charles River Church, that we would cherish Jesus above everything, that we would be willing to sacrifice whatever it takes in order that we would cherish Jesus, that we would see him as valuable, as beautiful, as wonderful, as the hero, that we would be eager to share him, to invite other people to meet him, that we could be spectators watching you do what only you can do in the hearts of those that we love. Father, thank you. We trust you. And we so look forward to all that you have in store for us this spring and summer. We know that no matter what, you are God and you are trustworthy. In Jesus' name, amen.
There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and who is and will be through it all. So come what may in the space between where I'm meant to be and this reckoning. I know I will never be Thank you for never, ever giving up on us. Father, help us to trust you in our future battles, knowing that you are fighting for us and that we are loved. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, now's the time in our gathering where we want to respond. Whenever we hear from God, we want to respond to who he is and what he's saying to us. And so maybe God has spoken to your heart in this gathering. Uh, would you let us know uh, by using your connection card? Maybe today you want to say, hey, I, I want to trust in and follow Jesus. And we want to celebrate that with you. So you can just give us your name on your card and, and let us know that today you'd like to trust in and follow Jesus. Uh, maybe you want to let us know some other way that God's stirring your heart to respond. Use that connection card to do that in the comment section. Or uh, just let us know how we can be praying for you. We really do pray for every single request, prayer need that comes our way. Uh, the second way we like to respond is we like to respond in generosity. God has been so generous to us in sending his only son 
to live and to die for us. And so we want to respond in that generosity and say, God, we thank you. And uh, we want to be sacrificial and, and give under the example of Jesus who gave it all. And so uh, in this time, if you're led to give, there's a couple ways that you can give. You can uh, give using the church app or you can follow the link that we're going to drop in here in just a moment. And you can give to help us get the message of Jesus out uh, to the world. No pressure there, but if you want to give, uh, we want to uh, just give you the opportunity to do that now. Uh, also, let me remind you, last week we introduced the Give Hope initiative. And so uh, if you're a covenant member, hopefully you received your $50 cash card that you can use to give hope, spark hope in our community. And so we'd love to know that you're doing that. We're going to drop in a link here in just a moment so that you can let us know how you've used that money if you already have. But our goal is to use that money prior to Easter Sunday to spark hope and point people to the ultimate hope that is Jesus. We are excited and eager to share the reason for the hope that we have his name is, is Jesus. Last thing I'll say before we sign off is that we have a reflection moment for you. So just take some time uh, just to think on what's been shared today and all that God's done in your heart. And so if you're gathered with some people right now, uh, you guys can talk that out together. If you're by yourself, read through those questions and think through them. And uh, we just want to give you the opportunity to respond. But hey, thank you so much uh, for being here. Come back next week for week two of the Bringer Series. <music>